The Bruins stay lost Stanford, but what did we see in the process? A benching of a couple of players, some key possible Bruin recruits. Let's talk about it Unlocked on UCLA. Let's not forget about that baseball preview either. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, it's your favorite host. It's Zach Anderson Yoxheimer here for Locked On UCLA. Thanks for tuning in and making it your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcasts and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks for your support. We're continuing on this basketball trend because we've got to talk about possible recruits for UCLA basketball. It's been a while since we've talked about that, but let's dissect the benching for both Tiger Campbell in the first half and to start the second half and for Amari Bailey, Mick Cronin sitting down two of his five starters in a game where the Bruins at the time were struggling against Stanford. And wow, sometimes we've seen Mick Cronin be a little too eager to keep his starters out there and only maybe bench one guy. This was interesting to see in this game against Stanford because the Bruins lost a longtime veteran in Campbell to the bench for significant stints at a time when he got beat on multiple backdoor cuts defensively. Just wasn't feeling it offensively. Mick Cronin alluding to after the game for both Tiger and Amari Bailey that as a coach, he just could not put them in a position for success as a team and individually by starting them in that second half. Of course, I don't have a bone with me, but they have that deflection bone that reflects who has the most deflections and who is the most tenacious defensively after each and every game. So Mick Cronin, what does he do? Ends up with sitting there and benching two of his better players for lack of deflections and defensive intensity in that first half. Neither one of them, between Tiger Campbell or Amari Bailey, having a deflection, you know. So what does that mean? What does that mean at all for UCLA? Well, it's interesting to see that in a big moment, albeit yes, it's against Stanford, but when the Bruins need to have it, he didn't go to Tiger Campbell until the end of the game, and Tiger stood up and made some big plays. The Bruins are down four. Campbell hit a big three, an assist, a big bucket, hit some free throws down the stretch. While Bailey didn't come back in that game and make a, a remarkable impact. So it was interesting for the Bruins to play and see, hey, one, what does this lineup look like going small? And quite frankly, that small lineup I thought was not too bad against the Stanford Cardinal with Bona in foul trouble, with Etienne playing as the backup big, with Kenneth Nuba kind of out day to day with that groin injury. But for UCLA, they sit there and were able to get the job done against the Stanford team who, yes, whatever overlooking the Bruins did, whatever overlooking I did, Coming off that win against Arizona, they came to play, and Mick Cronin kind of took ownership after the game, saying, hey, the team wasn't ready to play. They've got to be able to listen to us and be ready to implement the game plan and execute it on a day-by-day thing. So despite the Bruins getting beat on the backdoor cut, despite Stanford's best player not making a true impact in terms of scoring the basketball, at least their leading scorer, Spencer Spencer Jones, Michael Jones did hit some threes. The Bruins were able to get the job done and get the win. 
And what does this mean going forward? Well, they got a scare at home with that winning streak slowly growing and growing and growing. 14-0 at home this year, 22 wins overall. I believe the winning streak's now 22 in a row at home, and I think five in a row overall as the Bruins prepare to host one of the worst teams in the country. Cal sits in, what, 3-23 and now after their blowout loss to USC and 2-13 and in conference. They've lost 10 consecutive games, and they're 0-9. So this is a perfect game for both Tiger Campbell, although he did kind of get off the bench at the end of the game, make some big plays, and Amari Bailey to kind of reignite that flame and get them going because next week is Utah, Colorado. Those will be tougher environments to play in considering Utah's flirting, you know, flirting with the bubble of sorts, maybe from a distance, and then Colorado already played the Bruins tough in Pauley Pavilion, and now they get to play him at Boulder. So for the Bruins, they're looking to regain some composure, and considering USC was coming off a, an angry loss against Air Oregon State, they dominated Cal by 37, 97-60 in a game that finished earlier than the Bruins versus the Stanford Cardinal. Now you have a UCLA team who is going to play angry against a Cal team who doesn't have their leading score. They have Kwani Kwani, a senior who is one of only the only starter in the Cal lineup that had efficient shooting and double figures. And for this Golden Bear matchup between the Bruins and the Golden Bears, Golden Bears are the one of the worst offenses in the Ken Palm rankings. And the Bruins are amongst the top two or three defensive defensive efficient teams in the country. So you've got one of the worst offenses against one of the best defenses. The Bruins should take care of business against the Cal team that is just struggling. Remarkably, they've gotten two wins in Pac-12 play, which is two more than I thought they would actually get this year, considering their big-time losing streak to start the season between both Cal and Louisville. The running joke was who was going to lose more games and lose more consecutive games to start the season. In the end, the Bruins... Need Amari Bailey to step up, get some big buckets in this game, maybe go out, put a 15, six rebounds, five steals. And those are ridiculous marks, yes. But against a bad Cal team, that's what Bailey needs to have the mindset of to get the Bruins back and cooking in the right way to get him and Cronin on the right on the right foot of swords moving forward. Tiger Campbell would love to see him score 20 piece in after a bad game against Stanford, despite that veteran leadership with that closing time coming in, Tiger Campbell needs to come in and get the job done for the Bruins. This episode, as we cruise into UCLA recruiting after I tell you about FanDuel, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel because they're now our official sports book here with Locked On, and it's the middle of the NBA season. NFL just ended. It's a perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book. And in the meantime, you can get a no-sweat first bet for your first bet it's up to $1,000 in bets, if in bonus bets, if your first bet doesn't win. So all you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's free, easy to use, super secure, it's safe. Everything from money line, point scoring, threes made, everything between that. You can combine your bets for extreme big-time gambles and bets. In the meantime, the same game parlay, your no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets when you don't win your first bet. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, and with us at Locked On. Now, cruising into the second segment for Locked On UCLA, Zach Ederson, Yoxheimer here. 
I was thinking, what, what are we talking about today? And then I remembered who was in attendance at the game last night with an already signed Bruin commit in the, or I guess already a, a committed Bruin for the class of 23, Devin Williams. You've got Devin and Brandon Williams, who are the two UCLA big time commits alongside Sebastian Mack. You have the 6'10 guys. You got your point guard, even though the Bruins couldn't go get someone like an El Marco Jackson or get anybody else from a point guard. There was someone who is a small forward in attendance, if you know what I'm talking about. It is Marcus Adams Jr., who is a 6'8", technically class of 24, 200-pound small forward, four-star. Went to a prep academy, played his ball at Narbonne in Harbor City. If you don't know what it is, you should because they're number one in the city section. He's from Harbor City. All right, well, I guess he played high school ball in Harbor City. They already lost in the city section tournament because, you know, it's a running joke between my dad and I, considering he graduated from Narbonne and I'm from Harbor City. So we'll see if the Bruins can go get Marcus Adams Jr. because he would be a 6'8", four-star, small forward. You already have two kind of hybrid power forward, small forwards in the 6'10", the skinny Devin Williams, Brandon Williams, from New York, the number one recruit there, Williams picking, Devin Williams, that is, picking UCLA over SC, and then Brandon choosing UCLA over St. John's and other schools. Adams is a rising candidate to be one of the late potential recruits to get for the class of 23 because he could reclassify from the class of 24 to the class of 23 due to some college eligibility requirements. Maybe he might go prep. We'll see what he does for this next year, but he visited Syracuse recently. He was at the UCLA game, Compton Magic ties with Devin Williams. Those two were sitting next to one another. That would kind of give UCLA a nice class of 23. At the very worst, Adams becoming a class of 24, be someone to get in the future. But considering what UCLA might lose this coming year, anywhere from a Jalen Clark to Hawkins and Tiger Campbell and Bona and Bailey, that's almost five guys. If they all go pro slash graduate and leave, the Bruins might have a full roster to retool and build after this year's pretty successful campaign so far. Adams Jr. would be a nice guy who is visiting all these places. He's got offers from Big Ten, SEC, maybe ACC. I know he's got UCLA, SC on his kind of warm meter if you look at the the recruiting sites, I was looking at 24-7 sports, SC, Arkansas, you have Indiana giving him looks, but it looks like it's teasing towards UCLA. And with the Compton Magic ties, Rod Palmer, the, the co-founder of, of the Compton Magic, you would think this could be a nice guy, UCLA, who is already, he's a sixth-ranked recruit in the state of California and was a pretty solid player with alongside his brother, who's a 6'7 freshman at Narbonne as well. His dad played college ball at UNLV, and I think uh, Dominguez Hills as well. So Marcus Adams Jr. could be a sneaky late get for the Bruins in the recruiting game for Mick Cronin to get someone. You've got Ivo Samovich to go get guys overseas. You got, And now you've got Palmer, who has the Compton Magic ties. So Cronin's got his staff built for the recruiting, the game planning, and he's got the, you know, the boisterous personality, if you will, to get his guys ready to play with the deflections of the deflection bones. So if the Bruins can get Adams Jr., that would be a late possible get for 23 or 24. And I'm talking about this because he was there at the arena next to Devin Williams in Paul A. Pavilion watching last night's game. So he sees what it takes 
the intensity. And of course, with the Bruins winning, the fans are showing up over 10,000, slowly filling up Pauley Pavilion to the brims almost every night. It was a good night to go watch the Bruins beat the Stanford Cardinals. So an added bonus for that for UCLA hoops as they may have the future and added future bonuses there because Adams Jr. could add to a nice class of 23 or be the beginning blueprint for the class of 24. But it's seeming more likely, more in one of reading about Adams Jr., that he may be a reclassification if he becomes eligible for the class of 23. And the Bruins, in their own backyard, should go get him and get that point guard in Mac, get the 6'10s between the two Williams, and then you have Adams Jr., who is a 6'8", small forward, and maybe could be a little bit bigger than uh, Jalen Clark if they do replace him, or you could be get someone in that small forward category where he'd be a bigger, maybe more stronger Cody Riley if he can build, but he is going to be what he thinks in his mind as a one and done, so you have to see what that is. Either way, moving on with Locked On UCLA into segment three. I've been teasing it for a while. Softball got their preview. They're off to an unbeaten start. They got the win over Nebraska in the Clearwater Invitational. By the time you watch this, they'll be taking on Alabama. UCLA baseball. Let's talk about John Savage, you know, national championship winning head coach for the Bruins, who were able to get a two-seed in the Auburn Regional, won one of the craziest baseball games ever played in 2022 when they both blew a 7-0 lead and came back down nine runs in the bottom of the ninth in the Pac-12 tournament last year, eventually winning on a three-run walk-off bomb in Scottsdale last season. The Bruins look poised to compete in the Pac-12 this season, Savage having the return of his starting Friday night guy in Jake Brooks. And it's been a long time since Savage has had some guys who went back-to-back years as the opening night, Friday night starter. So to see Brooks, he is the guy that, amongst many UCLA players, got some freshman accolades. Remember, this year's sophomores, if you go through the game notes, you do some studying, this year's second-year players for John Savage was amongst the highest-ranked recruits in the country altogether for this year's sophomore class. So last year, what did the Bruins have? They had a lot of freshmen that got some love. You have Ethan Flanagan, you had Deuce Gorson, Cody Schreier, who's showing up on everybody's All-America board and was a preseason Pac-12 selection, Alonzo Treadwell. You had four guys on college baseball's freshman All-America team in 2022, which is the most in program history for UCLA coming from last year. So what did the Bruins do last year? 40-24. and 24. They had the two seed in the Auburn Regional, number one recruiting class in the country coming into last season, and they had six preseason All-Pac-12 this year. Picked to finish second, just behind Stanford, and the Bruins are preseason ranked anywhere from 12, as high as 12 at Baseball America, and D1 Baseball 17. D1 Baseball tends to lean more East Coast. Baseball America can tend to give some love to the West Coast, so it depends. But so far, those are the two divides. Those are two of the biggest places that cover college baseball, and they have them one closer to a 10, maybe an eight national seed, or as D1 Baseball and other rankings in the preseason, they have them closer to a 16 seed and potentially hosting a regional in the first weekend. That's what the Bruins are competing. Last year, they were able to go 24-2 and when scoring six or plus runs. They continue to get, if they can get offense and be that efficient as they were stealing the stealing bases last year amongst the top 100 in the country when it came to 
Success rate, 74 stolen bases, about 87 attempts. One of the most efficient teams in the country when it came to stealing bases and taking advantage of late-game opportunities. And they do have a closer in Luke Jewett, who is one of five different positions for the Bruins this year who are getting in the preseason positional rankings for various outlets. You have from Deuce Corson, Kyle Karras, Karros, excuse me, I don't know why I say Karras, Kyle Karros, and then Cody Schreier, Jake Brooks, Alonzo Treadwell, and Ethan Flanagan with Luke Jewett. And what's important to note about Alonzo Treadwell? Well, if he's getting some preseason accolades, he is that Saturday night starter for the Bruins on Sunday. They'll be going with Kelly Austin. So while there's so many things that can twist and turn for UCLA in terms of the lineup, again, can't forget UCLA football, Bruin, John John Bonds picking up the sticks and the cleats to go play for the baseball team. UCLA has got themselves a, a solid roster, and they're expected to compete this year. Will it be number one in the country and go prove teams wrong? Well, they only have a certain non-conference series that's tough. This year, it's at Vanderbilt next weekend. The upcoming weekend, they go to Vanderbilt, who's a preseason top 10. Their other two non-conference series are against Omaha, who's been under 500 the last couple of seasons. And then you have UC Davis at home in the later part of the season during a Pac-12 bye. And UC Davis was one of the worst teams in the country last year. I can say that because I saw them play in person. UCLA has themselves a potential. With the non-conference schedule, you mix in the SoCal Classic hosted by the Bruins, which brings in Tulane, Sac State, USC, and some interesting midweeks between LMU, Michigan, and ranging throughout the Big West and all those West Coast schools. Bruins have a pretty fairly easy, I would think, non-conference schedule other than Vanderbilt. And you can see sometimes Vanderbilt last year, they were down after their last two national championship wins and finals appearances in 19 and in 21 before they fell to a two-seed in a regional last year in Corvallis. The Bruins can set themselves up for success by winning some cupcake, in my mind, on paper, non-conference series. In baseball, you never know. You can always lose some weird series early and then get hot late. But against the Omahas and against the UC Davises of the world, you got to take care of business and not slip and take some ugly series losses. Like last year, the Bruins in Pac-12 play lost to USC, and the Trojans were at the bottom of the Pac-12 standings for the most part last season. And while it is a rivalry series that's a little different, UCLA had to go to Corvallis and get a crucial road series against a team that eventually hosted a regional and eventually eke out some wins, like going and beating Arizona and beating them two out of three. This year, the Bruins are amongst that t upper tier, it looks like, in the Pac-12. Second in the conference when it comes to preseason all-Pac-12 selections, and just behind Stanford in terms of the Pac-12 preseason rankings. They have the ability, in the preseason on paper, to go be a competitive unit and make things happen this year. But they go got to go out and prove it, and we'll slowly talk about baseball and softball and we can kind of picture all right what is the lineup looking like more as the season builds and you know sometimes guys can start over the season all of a sudden a late super run can get you over 330 or you can start being the best hitter in the country and then you dip below and all of a sudden you're hitting 220 for the year and you thought you were a preseason all-american we'll discuss all these things we'll recap the series with omaha over on the other side we'll recap ucla softball after the Clearwater Invitational, we will get excited for everything UCLA Bruins after 
the weekend and always here on Locked On UCLA. Go make Locked On College Basketball your second listen. It's a good college basketball podcast with the Locked On podcast family that gives you your Locked On Phil, this episode was brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, getting excited with you guys for Locked On UCLA. It's eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you, see, UCLA, fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.